Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymirin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 13 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. You finish your short rest in a, a small meal of gator flesh before you leave. Is there anything that you plan on doing? Do I have any, like, long straps of leather? Actually, no. I'm going to take a bit of my rope, and I'm going to cut that off, and I'm going to attach it to Yikla. That way, the child can carry it over her shoulder. You do know somewhere where you can get straps of leather. At least about three, three and a half feet. Yeah. Dash has partial straps of leather in his backpack from when he took the bandolero. Yeah, he was a fat bastard. I had to cut it in half in order to fit around his bandolier. Dash, would you happen to have any spare leather? Oh, goes over, rummages through the bag. Yep, here you go. Thank you. Please don't mind all the holes. Holes are fine. I do that with the yikla and give it to the child. Acorn will take the yikla and look at the leather strap and look to you and the strap and to you and the strap and to you and the strap. I take it, I put it over myself, and then I take it off and I give it to the child. Earring does this interesting little half wiggle half dance thing as he's trying to squeeze his girth into the strap (laughs) he does the same thing to get the strap off from across his chest and his shoulders and hands it to acorn who does the same thing with the wiggle and the little dance (laughs) this kid's good you notice that there seems to be developing distinctly feminine features acorn's face is now more feminine looking instead of androgynous like it was previously. She does look taller, thinner, but still a deep green color. About approximately how tall now? She's close to four feet. She's a few inches away from four feet. The child has hit puberty. Growing like a weed. Long way, anything? I'm maintaining my vigilant watch uh, in case our pursuers have broken off and found a way to make up an extraordinarily large amount of time or that they have others along with them. But either way, I'm just... I'm going to break out some rations while I'm sitting there and just gnaw on those a little bit and wait till the rest of the group finally rouses and join them if I hear a good amount of movement. Dash. I am licking the pot for any last little bits of gator juice before we get on the road. Now there's a sight. My head probably fits entirely inside of the pot. The pot might be a little bit hot, though, having been over the fire. Well, it had to come out for serving. And I don't know that there was a pot used either. I did. You did? I did say there was a pot. Dash is effectively doing the dishes. <laughs> With his face. Madri? Madri uh, has since given up on the map. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he goes over to Mokwe and rouses Mokwe. Uh, is it time to go on already? It's time to go. Have you figured out where we're going? 
Not a clue. Oma. May I see the map? Andrew passes the map over to Earring. At the mention of Oma, Acorn looks at Dash and then looks to Earring and Dash and says, Oma, and nods her head. Guess it's Oma. Oma's where it wants to go. Oma is not its name. Oma. So what skill do I need to use to check the map? Survival. Survival, yeah. 15. Pretty easy to read. (laughs) Fold it up. Let's go away, guys. That thing's written in a different language. You're tired, and you can make maps, but can't read maps. <laughs> Which is interesting, since you're the one that made it. I was just going <laughs> to say the same thing. <laughs> Mokwi's too tired from being a snake, and Madri can't read maps. That's been hitting the head too many times. <laughs> <laughs> you break camp and continue in the right direction after Earring gathers your bearings, and you proceed. It was rather easy reading the map. The docks were there. Your assumption is is that's where you will meet the ghost ship that's supposed to transport you across the veil. As you gather your belongings in the distance, very far away, you hear the baying of the hunters. I'm going to make sure I buried the stealth fire. With the fire buried, you begin your journey. We're going to keep moving. I know it's probably now uh, with the timeline, it's going to be late afternoon. The whole plan was to continue even if it's dark. While it's light and facing in the direction we're going, do we have anything off in the horizon? A rise, a hill, large tree, anything that we can use as a bearing that even though the light goes down uh, with a skyline, we can still make out maybe in the distance? I know we're heading towards the shore, so it's not likely we're heading towards mountains, but anything, at least for short term. Dash, how well do you know the stars? I've used the stars to get across this forest most of my life. Would you mind getting up into the canopy and guiding us? Uh, sure. Let's see. East. Yeah, I think there's an eastern star that comes up in the mornings. I mean, in the evenings. Does that sound good? Long way. Any means that we can do to stay on track at night. It's very easy to veer off to one side or another. And the last thing I want to do is spend four hours just to circle around and be heading in the wrong direction. So, yes, we can come up with a star or some celestial grouping that we know we can lock into. And as the evening goes, we'll have to repeatedly check because as the sky moves from... One place to another, we're going to need another reference point, but at least we know we have something we can go by. It's a shame no one took direction senses of you. <laughs> so you travel until nightfall and then find a tree of suitable size. Dash. Climb, climb up to the top, wait for the first couple of stars to come out, and that's an 11 on my survival check. You identify what you think is the constellation of the hero. Climb down from the tree. It's the one that you were looking for. The uh, buckle of its belt being the brightest star in the constellation. Climb down and lead. You'll be taking the lead now. I'm going to climb down and I'm going to go. I do believe we should go that way. But Acorn, where's Oma? She points east. Hopefully that's the same direction I just pointed in. Dash is pointing off to the west slightly. (laughs) Acorn points to the east and then looks at Dash and then looks to the east and then to Dash again. Okay. And then looks to Earring. Uh, the, the path we may have to go to make our way east might take us in other directions. She nods. I'll take point and head off. I mean, we have our bearings. I'm going to move around a couple obstacles, a couple of zigzags, stuff like that. Just kind of, you know, get everything all lined up. And then when I don't think anyone's paying attention, I'm going to head the direction that Oma picked up. <laughs> Are we trying to maintain stealth? Oma or Acorn, as you call oh, it. Oh, Acorn. Yes, the direction the acorn wanted us to go. And 
As far as stealth, no, it's nighttime, but we're gonna, which is gonna slow us down anyways. At least those of you that can't see in the dark. For me, it's not an issue. But all you have to do is follow the person in front of you, and we'll be fine. So we'll be moving at our normal rate, but don't get more than thirty feet behind. How about I'll take the back, and if anybody starts to wander off, I'll corral them back. Perfect. So I take it you can see in the dark. You yes. can see in the dark. The three of us cannot see in the dark, and I keep hitting and, this wonderful. Uh, what, if, what if the child? That's why we invented nav- fairy fire. We can't see in the dark. Can the child navigate in the dark? She doesn't seem to be having difficulty doing so. Of course, she always seems to just be following you. So that's true too. So off we go. We got. I mean, I'll take the front. He takes the back. When we find a clearing, I'm going to ask Dash to point out the constellation for me. So at least I have a reference to go by when, whenever the, the canopy parts. At least for now. For the first few hours, that'll be what we need. I mean, everything rises neat, sets in the west, but it's going to usually swing over one shoulder or another after a while. So Dash, you're going to need to think about the next constellation that's going to come up over the horizon in a few hours so we can reorient. Okay. At, as we move, I'll let you contemplate that if you need a moment to confer with airing well let's see i think if that's the the hero then uh we should just be able to follow the fey diacol uh eras at least the first the next three or four should come up before dawn okay make your way to a clearing you stop for a moment and dash will study the sky pick up the constellation and point it out to you while you're there watching the sky you begin to hear more baying Still at a, a great distance away from you, but it does appear as though it's closing a little faster than you expected. Then we will keep moving. If we have daylight, we will move much more quickly. I mean, as long as we still have light, we'll move as fast as we possibly can and then slow down from there as it starts getting dark. So we might have another few hours where we can just keep them. I mean, we're, they're a long distance. We're not baying and we can barely hear them. They're not going to hear us. Has anyone got a scrap piece of cloth on their person? I'm going to take Heather. a scrap piece of cloth from myself. I'm going to attach it to a, one of my hunting arrows. If somebody can give one to Longway and maybe one to Madgery, we can shoot it off in three different directions. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's effective, but if it is, even a few moments is a few moments. Madgery cuts another strip from the bottom of his vest. Okay, we'll to take a piece from his shirt. While you guys are doing all this, Dash is going to just wander around and like circle each tree twice and then head to another random tree, circle it twice, and keep crossing our path. Okay, no need to, to rip your clothing. He's going to take his arrow and rub the shaft up and down along your arm and your back of your neck. That feels funny. What are you doing? Rubbing your scent on the arrow. Oh, I thought he was making poisoned arrows. <laughs> <laughs> I will fire mine off in an opposite direction. Okay. So you're going to fire yours west? Since we're heading east? Sure. All right. You take north, I'll take south. That's good. Fire the arrows off, get a good arc on them, and see how far we can throw them out there. And at, at, or as the time goes by, that those scents are going to waft. Let's get going. So we fire our arrows, and then we get moving. Move at full rate until it starts getting to the point where I, I need to slow down because those that can't see in the dark are having difficulty. When the members of your party that are unable to see in the dark begin to stumble a little bit, more often, you slow your pace and considerably, still feeling somewhat comfortable that the distance between you and the hunters is great enough for you to be able to do so safely. Around midnight, the forest opens up and you begin to smell water, like a large body of water. The forest becomes a grassy plain for a moment, and then you begin to see those scrubby bushes and reeds that you are accustomed to seeing 
on the shore of a lake. There is a, a rocky beach. A rickety dock of planks and log posts extends out into the water ahead of you. Its construction is rougher, and numerous gaps open to the water below. Dark stains of some dried liquid also mark the dull wood. This is what those of you that can see. There is moonlight, which becomes helpful for those individuals who can't see. It is a full moon out. Tied to the dock with what appears to be hemp rope is a rotted rowboat with two oars laid across its gunnels. That's a mighty small ghost ship. (laughs) What are you guys going to be able to fit into? We'll manage something. We'll head down to the shore. Uh, If we do have a high point as we get closer, I'm going to look up and down the shore to see if there's anything else along the shore. There's nothing much in the way of a high point with the exception of the dock. In scanning the shore, it looks like it's a rocky shore that continues in either direction for as far as the eye can see. The dock is somewhat rickety. It looks very, very old. The lake is perhaps more of an inland sea in its appearance. Does this show up on the map? No. Just a dock. The dock shows up, but not... But no body of water. No body of water. Okay. I drew it as she said. I'm going to carefully work my way out onto the dock. The dock is rickety. It seems to be able to hold your weight. And move my way to the end towards the rowboat. Is there an elevation difference between the dock and the, the water line? Is, is it real high or is it you know pretty much water level? The dock is fairly high above the water level. Is there a rope or a ladder that leads down to the rowboat? There is a ladder that leads down into the water. It doesn't look very trustworthy. <laughs> and again, I'm not too sure if the rowboat looks trustworthy either. It certainly does not. It looks to be as old as the dock. I will do what I can to not put a whole lot of weight on the rungs themselves, but keep a firm grip on the sides of the ladder, give it a little bit of a shake to see if it's attached to the dock or hopefully maintains that, and work my way down. Do you shake before? Yes. So you're going to shake the ladder ladder before I get on Before. (laughs) <laughs> I intend to try to hold on to the sides and put as very little, you know, maybe run my feet to the outside of it and kind of semi clasping my legs together just to slow my and direct my descent and use hand over hand on the sides, not use the rungs at all. The ladder's pretty rickety. There's quite a bit of give to it. It doesn't come free from the dock when you toy with it, but it does give you the indication that if you're going to try to descend the ladder should be very careful. You know, the heck with it. I'm not going to go down the ladder. I'm going to make my way back along the dock, back to the group, go to the shore, take my backpack off, set it on the shoreline, and just wade into the water. Dash I'll swim out to the boat and bring it back to shore. Dash is going to get off of the turtle because he doesn't need that extra little bit of weight trying to do anything, and run down the dock to the end. Okay. <laughs> Madri? Madri's going to stand next to the end of the dock. And just wait. It's it's dark out, but it's also got some great moonlight, and he's just looking into the woods, waiting for something to come after us. Mokui? I'll be standing with Madri. Hearing? It's water. The child might be thirsty, so see if the child wants to go in for a drink. Acorn does not move. Is it fresh water or salt water? You don't know. I'm going to go try. You dip your hand into the water. There's a feeling of of coolness. It's actually quite cold, but when you draw your hand out expecting to find water in the palm of your hand, you see nothing. The coolness almost gives you the sensation that you put your hand in water, but when you pull it out, it's not wet. It's not even damp. There's no moisture at all. This might be an illusion. What might be an illusion? The water. It's a mighty big illusion. 
Can I use my Arcana to see if it's an illusion or something other? Yeah. That's not happening. No? What'd you roll? A one. Can I use my Arcana? Yeah. Mokui appears stumped. So He looks at you and shrugs. If you're rolling a one on a check, but you have a passive... Like, my passive intelligence score is a ten. You're what? My passive intelligence score is a ten. He just rolled a one. His passive intelligence has got to be higher than that. But I was rolling under Arcana. Arcana's yeah. intelligence. No, but but you're you're looking at passive investigation. He was he was actively using Arcana. Okay. I also rolled a, a natural twenty on my Arcana check. On my dice. On your dice. Thanks for Fixed using them. that one up, Frank. It was it's one natural twenty. I was hoping to get it in combat. It's not trash dice. It's always been trash <laughs> dice. <laughs> <laughs> you poke around sitting on the shore looking at the water and when you look closer at the water you realize it's it's not water but what it is you're really not sure it is almost it's not an illusion it's something very very different an enormous gelatinous ooze no uh question is Longway making splashing noises as he wades into the water I think they're all doing that as I'm working my way out to the end of the dock, then back again. What I want to try is I want to take my water skin, dump the leeches I have out into it, and see what they do. <laughs> they're all dead in the I dark. Don't know. I mean, care. I want to see if they're going to be dissolved. <laughs> Poison them all to death. <laughs> I want to see if they're going to be dissolved or anything. When you do so, they disappear, seemingly beneath the surface of whatever it is. This thing that is not liquid, solid, or anything else. Ever elusive plasma. Any ideas? It's not water, but it's not an illusion. It's something else. And as you say, they disappear. I look for a long way to see where he's at. Well, I'm coming my way back down the long way. Well, I just wanted because I knew you went into the water. Well, not yet I did. Oh, okay. Because I walked out to the end of the dock, shake the ladder, check things out, maybe come Then I got to make my way back again. So while I was doing that, you're doing this. I'm probably back shortly. Long way is making his way off the dock. The ladder there is. Not going to support anyone's weight. Uh, I'd even be surprised if Dash can get down to it without breaking it. So. I don't need the ladder. Well, this is true. You can just I just glide spiral down. glide down. But I was thinking I'd just swim out to it as opposed to messing okay. around with it. Meet you there. Dash. I'm going to get to the point at the end of the dock that is closest to the rowboat. Step off and do a spiral glide down to the boat. So you spiral down to the rowboat and land in the rowboat with a gentle swaying when you eventually land. Do the oars look useful? They seem to. Okay, well, while I'm here, I'll inspect it for now that it's got a couple of pounds in it. See if the uh, shift is, like, opening any cracks, and I'm going to wait for long way. Great job. Now untether it and bring it right over to shore. These oars are four times as tall as I am. How far is it to the end of the dock? It's only a 20-foot dock. Oh, well, then I'll just pull out my 50-foot rope and make sure the coils are nice and, and loose and hold one end and... Whip the other end out towards, so it lays across the uh, the boat. So now you just untie and I'll pull you over. I will uh, use the oar as like a fishing rod in order to get the rope if it doesn't make it. As long as it's within six, seven feet, I should be able to haul it back in. Toss the rope. 17. The rope flies true and lands at your feet. I will tie it to whatever the current rope is tied to and then take out my dagger and cut off the other one and go, okay, haul me in. And I'll start pulling. As you pull, the rowboat begins to pull towards you, and then it dissipates, and you feel nothing at the end of the rope, and you begin to pull the rope into shore. 
Can I still see uh, the rowboat and Dash? No, Dash, you have fallen beneath the surface of the water, in air quotes. It is cool, it is gray, it is swirling. From the water, for lack of a better term, you can see above you the starry sky. It doesn't feel like you're floating in water. It feels like you're floating on air. Beneath you, you can see the starry sky as well. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Beneath me is in under the water, not as in a perfect reflection. Well, it looks like a perfect reflection. You are quite certain you are not in water. All right. Just to make sure, with my eyes open, I'm going to stick my head under the water and look straight now. Your whole body is under the surface. The surface. Well, then I will kick for the top. You don't seem to be moving. Your legs are moving. Your body is not being propelled by your movements. I will do a, a very short intake of breath to see if there's anything that's going to come in or if I can breathe. You seem to be able to breathe. And I will do the opposite. I will see if I can make myself go down by trying to push against anything that I can find. See if I can find the bottom. When you're trying to dive down, it has the same effect as trying to kick up. It doesn't appear like you're going anywhere. The bottom becomes the top. The top becomes the bottom. As you're watching Longway pull the rowboat to shore, you see him give one mighty tug and... The rope, at first you think it came free from the rowboat because he ends up jerking the rope almost up and out of the water, or what appears to be water, and the rowboat's not at the end. As a matter of fact, you can't see the rowboat at all, nor can you see Dash. Where did Dash go? Where did the boat go? I, I don't know. Should I dive in and get him? We need to get Dash. Well, yeah. Dive into what? We need to water. This isn't water. What do you mean it's not water? It's not water. It's not water. It's something, but it's not water. All right, I think, what if we go onto the dock? I'll tie it. We'll tie a rope around. Nobody's lifting me, so I can't jump in. I'll jump in. I will tie a rope around myself and around you, and I'll get. I'll hold on to you. I'll jump you off the dock me. and go in after Dash. Wherever Dash disappeared. You have a rope, you said, yeah? It, I've got it secured to me. He's got it secured to him. So you, you go to the end of the dock, secure a rope around him. The other end, are you holding? I've got it secured around myself. It is around you. Around me. <laughs> Fairly good anchor. A, a, a resident anchor. <laughs> <laughs> you tie it around your ring. Acorn stands beside you. Somebody take a hold of Acorn so he doesn't jump in also. They don't <laughs> jump in also. I put my gloves on and hold her from going forward if she tries to. She makes a step forward when, when earring. I'm going to just shake my head. No, wait. She looks at you and shakes her head no, like with a questioning look on her face. No, wait here. She'll stand by Mokui as Earring drops into the water. We interrupt this podcast of an acorn's journey to talk about our sponsor. Are you a veteran DM with more campaign ideas than prep time? Yeah, of course you are. Aren't we all? Does your party have a habit of going to the person or place that you would least expect? If they're like my group, they sure do. What if I were to tell you that I could put a team of professional writers alongside you at your desk to cut down on your campaign prep? What if I were to tell you that you could bring them along with you at your game sessions for when those pesky players go off the rails. Sounds pretty good, huh? With Describe, we can do just that. These narratives vividly describe monsters, places, spells, people, you name it. It's there. And there are more than 6,000 of these easy-to-search-up, copy-and-pastable, beautifully-written narratives right at your fingertips. I've been running games for the better part of 40 years, and I must admit, I've gotten a bit lazy. I just don't have the time I used to. And I've been using terrain, which is minimizing my need for descriptive narratives. 
Stuff is right out there in front of you. Why describe it? When I was prepping for an Acorns journey, a DMD story, I used describe quite a bit. When you listen, you can hear it. One of the things I like the most about describe is that if the narrative doesn't fit perfectly with your encounter, it's easy to modify while still sounding really good. I did that an awful lot. I think this makes the more than 6,000 narratives that they have available for you even more valuable. It almost doubles what you have at your fingertips. You should give it a shot. Describe has graciously provided us with a discount for our listeners. Head on over to describe.com backslash DMD. That's D-S-C-R-Y-B dot com backslash DMD. Use the code DMD at checkout to try Describe for two weeks free. Links will be in the show notes. And now, back to an acorn's journey, a DMD story. When you break the surface of whatever this is, you can see the starry sky, both above you and below you. When you scan the area, you can see Dash, one moment he's upright, and the next moment he's upside down. He's kind of in like a gyroscope-like spin, swirling around. Occasionally, you'll lock eyes with him, and there is a look of deep concern, sometimes shock, and other times terror. I will make my way out towards Dash by whatever means I can. It's difficult to move in either direction. Your instinct is to try to swim out to him, but none of those swimming movements make any sort of progress with you moving in either direction. Kicking and stroking doesn't seem to propel you in any direction. I'm going to take out one of my arrows, take out my hempen rope. I'm going to tie one end of the hempen rope to the arrow. I'm gonna tie the other end around myself I'm going to knock an arrow and I'm going to fire it to go by Dash. Don't roll a one. Don't roll a one. Don't roll a <laughs> I one. I was going to say, you might not want to use Scott's dice Scott's this time. Scott's dice. Oh, use my dice. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, even if he hits Dash, it's only like eight to ten points of damage. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a scratch. Um, actually, don't use roll the first ability. before you figure out the damage. <laughs> would be an eight. The arrow shoots off, drifting through this ether-like material, the rope trailing behind it, too far away for you to grab. Uh, visually, what differences do I recognize from a normal overburdened bow shot? There's no real difference. It cuts through this material, whatever this is, almost like it's passing through clouds. And now that I have a visual reference... Am I actually spinning around in a circle, 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 circle? You, you are in, in kind of like what looks like almost like a free fall. You thought Earring was going to shoot you mm-hmm. and reel you in if he hit you. Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought I will, we were going bow fishing. I'm going to reel in my arrow to try again. 15. What's your armor class? Uh, a 14. You hit. <laughs> uh, the, the arrow looks like it's heading straight for you. And, yeah, there is a look of abject terror on Dash's face. <laughs> the arrow passes right between your arm and your hip. Three more inches to the side, and I would have been a very sad, very high, squeaky-voiced man. And it begins to fall, almost. Waiting for Dash to grab the rope. Oh, yeah, I will reach out and grab the rope. And I will start to pull As well Dash as I can, in. doing a slow tumble in space. Yeah, once, once you grab a hold of the rope, you're in pretty good shape because you get tangled up in it rather quickly. <laughs> and earring tugs and begins to reel you in. And once Dash is back, an 
arm around him, and I take the rope that is attached to Madri, and I give it a tug. Madri starts hauling. <laughs> Eventually, you see Earring's blue toque break the surface of whatever this is, and then Earring comes up shortly afterwards, the rest of them, and then under the crook of his arm is Dash, much like... An angry mother would carry a disobedient child back into the home. <laughs> I uh, get Dash back up onto the dock, and I climb, it, climb back up it myself. Do we come out wet? No. Okay. Well, you do come out cold. You know how sometimes you get cold, and you're like, am I wet or am I cold? It's one of those feelings. I think we have to go down through the water. It's like you go in, and you can see the sky and the stars above, but then you can see the skies and the stars below. And I think we have to make our way down and through that. Our instructions were go to the dock, wait for the ghost ship, find a way to open the veil. We might now know what the veil is. Can I try something? Sure. Now that everyone's out of the water. I would love you to try something. Hopefully off the dock. Yes? Yes. I'm going to stand on the ground just shy of the dock and call out, Boatsman, we need you. We need passage. Nothing happens. And then in a few moments, the thick cloud-like <laughs> mists begin to form on the surface of whatever this is. And then sails appear on the horizon, tattered and black. There is a sense of foreboding that comes over you, and a shiver runs up your spine as this ship draws closer. You notice its spectral shape, the tendrils of inky black smoke coiling about it, and a spectral crew upon its decks working. I have to admit, I was partially hoping that didn't work. Show off. <laughs> Sometimes just thinking works. You owe me for that one. <laughs> the ship pulls up to the dock. There's numerous spectral shapes about the deck of the ship up in the rigging. They are sailors long dead. The ship is in about as good condition as the rowboat was, in about as good condition as the dock is. And then it just stops. At the end of the dock, or, or just yes, at okay. the end of the dock? Well, let's see how much passage costs. And I'm going to make my way once again back out to the end of the dock. Long way? I'm going to walk to the end of the dock. I am not going to step on the boat. And I'm going to wait till someone or something notices us. If it goes a few moments without so. Myself and my group need passage. To whom do I speak? They continue to go about their business not taking any notice of you. I'm going to reach out and put one foot on the gunwale. It is solid. It doesn't look solid. <laughs> no. So is the rowboat. <laughs> okay. Guys, uh, hopefully I don't disappear, and I'm going to step onto the boat. Longway steps onto the boat. His form instantly becomes spectral as he takes his steps onto the form so that he looks very much so like the rest of the crew. He's almost translucent. Aw, smack. There are wisps of black smoke that coil around him. And when he looks back to you, it is as though he leaves an echo of his form behind him when he does so. Eventually, it appears like it's catching up the different aspects of Longway congeal once again into one shape, still spectral, still with the wispy black smoke. Dash runs to the end of the dock. Longway, are you okay? Do I look like I'm spectral to me? To you, yes. You look very much like the rest of the crew. You can't hear the others, but it does look like Dash is trying to get your attention. His mouth is open. But then again, it usually is. This is true. All right, I'm still cognitive of my own being and 
We still have a purpose, so I'm going to wave the rest of the group to me. Let's go. Beckon the child to follow. She follows along with you holding on to your sleeve. Be very careful, Madri. <laughs> I follow. Madri will uh, walk up the dock after everyone else. He's kind of shaking his head. It's not how I wanted to die, but it'll be fun. Crack. One by one, you step onto the ship, joining Longway. One by one, you become spectral forms with wisps of black smoke circling around your feet and thighs. You can very easily see through your hand. Acorn is watching you inspect your hand earring, and you make note that she is not spectral in form. Because she probably comes from wherever we're going. I'm going to try to address my party members. A, to see if I can hear me, and B, if to see if they can hear me. Before you go on, Bill, will you do me a favor and put all your figs on the ship? I just want to see them on the ship. No other well, reason. Well, I figured you were going to move some of the terrain and then put the ship in the middle, and you know, but they will look cool on the ship. For our listeners, Scott has provided us with one of the most glorious ship miniatures ever. It's massive. It's probably like a 90-foot-long <coughs> 90 uh, ship miniature for us to have our characters on. The actual mini in front of us is about two and a half feet long, not 90 feet long. We don't have that big of a gaming table. (laughs) 90 in-game feet. But if you want to go over to Patreon or to buy me a coffee and make some donations to help support the podcast, perhaps someday we will get a real sailing vessel. 90 feet long. To give everybody an idea, uh, the battle mat that it is on, the ship is longer than the battle mat is wide. (laughs) Long way. Yes, I am going to try to address my party members. Like I said, uh, one, to see if I can hear me, and two, to see if they can hear me. What are you going to say? Welcome aboard the SS, not too sure what I'm doing. You can hear your own voice very well. You can hear Madri's heavy breathing. He looks deeply concerned. (laughs) There is an echo to your voice, however. Ah, much like there was an echo when you turned around, although you didn't notice it, the others did. It is almost like your movements are trying to keep up with your body and your voice is trying to catch up with its point of origin. I'm going to untie the rope from the arrow, untie it from myself, uh, and then I'm just going to, out of curiosity, go to the bow uh, and uh, lightly fire the arrow off the ship. See what happens. Okay. The arrow flies through this strange barrier. It's almost like you can see a pucker in the sky. Then it disappears. You watch the arrow fly off past the deck and into the grassy area just before the beach. Interesting. So we are not likely visible from the dock. Is there a captain to this boat? But you did see spectral forms I asked on the ship. And we did see Longway spectrally beforehand. Yes. The guys who are working the boat, I want to approach one who appears to be doing the most smallest menial task, you know, swabbing the deck on hands and knees, whatever. That's the guy. And uh, <laughs> walk up to him and, hey, 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 who, who, who's captain? He continues his work, doesn't appear to notice you. Can I tap him on the shoulder or the shin? Or When you tap, it passes through his body. Whoa. When you pull your, your finger out, there are wisps of black I- smoke. Back up a couple of steps quick, and then dash back to the party, even if it's only 10 feet away, and explain to them that they're not solid at all. I'm worried about the boat being solid. Well, it worked once. Let's try again. 
All are on board, sails unfurl, and they catch a ghostly wind, and the ship takes off. I'm really not expecting any of that to work. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm captain. Captain Longway? (laughs) (laughs) As the ship passes into the mists, these cloud-like formations that are sitting on the lake, almost immediately the dock and the wilderness disappears, and there is nothing but black. There's still the mists, but it is though you are sailing through nothing but inky blackness. Well, my companions, I apologize if I killed us all, but we're either heading to the graceful embraces of the good gods or the torment of the bad gods or where we need to go keep our fingers crossed it's an adventure that it is (laughs) i am fascinated by the ghost people who are working this ship so i'm actually going to watch them how they get up and down and determine that those are the rat lines that i now know about and i'm going to try climbing one it's never good when a game master grins like that yeah luckily (laughs) i can't see him with the glasses on (laughs) do you want to use acrobatics or athletics to do that i would like to use athletics with that 18 plus 523. You deftly attempt to climb up the lines, but notice that your entire body passes through. It appears that you are every bit as incorporeal as the sailors on this vessel. Damn, I was hoping to ride in the crow's nest. Madri lets out a sigh of relief that Dash didn't fall off the boat. Uh, Don't look too pleased just yet. And I'm going to walk up to Madre and try to put my hands on his chest. Your hand passes through Madre's chest. It is almost like the two of you meld together for a moment. There's an area of Madre's chest that disappears, and your hand disappears in Madre's chest. So there's nothing but like this ethereal space between the two of you. And you can see through his chest, he can see that your arm and part of your forearm is is gone. What are you... And I'll, I'll pull it back What are out. you doing? Well, well, apparently we're as incorporeal as the rest, and two beings cannot occupy the same space. I didn't like that. Don't do that again. <laughs> you have now gained the feet spectral touched. <laughs> Earring is going to see if he can go through one of the doors on the ship. You're going to try to open it, or you're just going to walk through it? I'm going to try to open it. As you try to open the door, the door dissipates. It disappears, the area where you touch it. Your hand disappears into the door. I will try to pass through the door. You can easily walk through the door. When you walk through the door, you notice swirling black mists, smoking mist-type etherealness wrapping around your body. Anybody who noticed Earring pass through the door noticed that he disappears. And on the other side of the door, he reappears because everything is translucent and spectral-like. He is nothing but a column of wispy black smoke that begins to coalesce into the form of Earring when he passes through. What's on the side of the door anything it is a quarters perhaps the captain's quarters there is a bed and everything you would expect to find in the room maps and charts and navigation equipment chests i will exit the room and find a place to sit on the deck i attempt to use the stairs to get to one of the upper levels do i just like pass right through those or can i actually you you can actually climb the stairs stand atop the deck oh okay there's someone at the wheel of the ship guiding the ship (laughs) <laughs> it seems as though minutes turn into hours, hours turn into days, 
days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months. It is a long ride, and then the veil is parted. You're on a lake much like the one you originated from, and there is a dock very similar in appearance to the one that you originally boarded the ship on. This is different, though. The landscape is different. The trees are are different. They're even Some are even larger than the largest tree you've seen, giving you the indication that this part of the wilderness, and if you're even still in there, is even more ancient. Conversely, many of the trees are much smaller than any of the trees that you're used to seeing. It is though some, the larger ones, survived some great fire or other natural disaster, while others did not, and new growth is placing the old. I'm going to make my way to the side of the ship that looks like it's most likely to come to the dock and wait. During this time that started like minutes and seemed like months at the end, have we gotten hungry or felt any of the other natural urges that come with waiting around after eating for a long time? Oh, you mean being alive? Yeah. Okay. None. None. (laughs) Okay. No hunger, no urge to void or evacuate. Has the (laughs) child changed at all in our journey? Acorn is not. She appears still developing as a female. She is still holds her slender frame. She is not taller than she was before the journey on the vessel began. Everything seems as it was before. Erin, we can't touch one another, or it seems that way. Are you able to make contact with Acorn? I will try to make physical contact with the child. You pass through her body when you try to touch. How does she react? She doesn't. She blinks and studies you very intently, but there is no indication that it is off-putting to her. I will take my hand away and guide her over to where I think the ship is going to the dock. The ship comes alongside the dock and stops. Sails go up. The crew is still busy performing what you assume are normal duties a sailor would. I'm going to reach in my pouch, pull out a silver coin, and lay it on the deck for my passage. And then I'm going to step off the boat onto the dock. You very easily step off the boat onto the dock. You see Longway disappear into a column of black swirling smoke as he steps off the boat onto the deck. Earring will lay out four pieces of silver, two for himself and two for the child, beckon the child to follow him off. You and the child step off the boat, same thing, black, swirling columns of smoke. You see Earring coalesce into his corporeal form. Out of the swirling black mists comes Acorn, but She was never non-corporeal. It appears as though she is merely stepping through the remnants of the black coils that were earring before he coalesced into his corporeal form. Welcome back to the land of the living. Okay, also drop our leaf two coins on, and then I'm step off. You are on the deck. Dash looks down, goes two, four, six, seven, six of us, and just walks off the ship. I was going to ask you if you had any money left from your shopping excursion. That would have been a problem. And Dash steps off the vessel. Madri, last one on the boat, looks around, shrugs his shoulders, walks over to the edge and puts a gold on the uh, railing for your troubles. Thank you for passage. 
and he steps off the boat. Step off the boat. Before you is a hill. A staircase hewn directly into the hillside leads up to the top of the hill. If you were on the top of the hill, you would see that it leads down to the dock that you stand on. The dock, it's old yet sturdy. It creaks with each footfall, particularly with yours, Mandry. Evidence of regular repair shown by lighter smooth planks melding with old and stained ones can be seen. Two rowboats bob in the in the lake, assume that's what it is anyway, tied to their posts and awaiting their captains of the day. Most likely fishers or lovey-dovey couples. A watchman sits on a stool at the edge of the dock, collecting boat fares, you assume, and perhaps a strange story or two from folk getting off the ghost ship. In his blue captain's overcoat and smoking a pipe, he appears to have been plucked from a different time, a far, far different time. He is of a a race that you are unfamiliar with. And we'll leave it at that for this week. Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, Sin Morse, and your DM, Scott. A special thanks to you, our listeners. You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo. Hi, this is Frank, earring from an Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Tell us what you think about the campaign over at Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Leave a review as well. Remember, you can find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on the web at thedungeonmastersdojo.com. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, please consider using our drive through RPG affiliate stores next time you're shopping. If shopping isn't your thing, you can buy us sake. Finally, consider showing your support by buying some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. The links are in the description below. Thank you for listening.